to make her way to the stage. Barb leads the COPE ministry in Kenya, Africa, does an incredible job. She did a great presentation during the Bible school hour of all that is happening, and I've asked her to come and share for a few minutes. You may be wondering what's set up in our foyer. She's going to tell you all about that. Will you welcome, welcome Barb O'Donohue, please? In Kenya, when you stand before a congregation or fellowship, you greet them by saying, praise the Lord, and they answer amen. So praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here today. Um, I have some really good news. I am going back to Pokot. Um, this is really big news because I have been in the U.S. for a year and a half, which is the longest I have been here in 20 years. I had some health issues. The doctor said, we don't think you should go. I'm good. I'm strong. I'm feeling great. I'm heading back. I'm going to go see. I've got 35 kids in my house that I have not seen for a year and a half. So I sent him a message and said, mom's coming home. Get yourselves together there. Um, when I return to Pocot on the 23rd of March, there are three gentlemen going with me. I don't know if they're in here or not. Uh, Josh Turney is going with me, uh, Lewis Bergen is going with me, and Rich Turney. The three of them are going to go with me. Uh, this is a great thing for us to have more people come to Pocot and find out who the Pocot people are and have an opportunity to meet them in person and realize that everything we are doing is not about some program. Everything we are doing is about God's children and God's people. Um, the, in the back, out in the entryway, there's, a, there's jewelry out there and carved things that have been carved. Uh, those are things that I have brought from Pocot with me, and um, they are available for anyone who might be interested. This is not Go Shopping Day. This is a part of our ministry. The women in Pocot make these things. We put a tag on it that says, this was made by this woman. And when we sell it, that woman gets the money for what she has made. So we are not helping, we're not helping you buy stuff. We're helping them buy food. We're helping them take care of their children. We're helping them um, have school fees so their kids can go to school. So anything that you might see out there, just remember it's all made by hand. And um, I have said to the Pocot women many, many times, if it was left to me, to feed my family based on the, the rings that I made and the bracelets and the baskets that I wove, we would have starved to death years and years ago. Uh, the news from Pocot isn't exactly what we'd like it to be right now. Uh, the, they're having drought in Kenya, and there is drought in Pocot where we live. Um, they're down in the valley where we are. I just got a message from one of my kids that said they had some rain, which is a very good thing. Uh, we just have to pray to God that the rain continues. Uh, we're doing an assessment to see if there's need for us to take relief food with us uh, so that people can have something to eat. They don't harvest until September and October. So if they're hungry now, they are going to be hungry for the next several months until they can possibly grow, harvest the things that they have grown. So I would ask you to pray. People here will say, you know, when I say there's drought in Pocot, people say, oh, yeah, we have drought here. We do, but nobody stops eating because of it. There's a huge difference. We, we, have, we have corruption here, 
but nobody is left with nothing because of the corruption. And, and the degree that we are, are insulated in this culture is really overwhelming when you go someplace where they have no insulation. So I would just ask you to pray that we make good decisions and that we follow what the Lord's asking us to do. The Pocot mission has been on the ground 20 years. And I think that one of the things that, that I have not learned that has really been impressed into my mind and my heart is the fact that whatever we do, no matter how much money we may have, no matter how many programs we may put into place, it has no meaning and it has no bearing if Jesus is not the core of it. And if we do not, if we do not take that message and take that heart to them, then whatever we have done is going to, to, to fade away. It's going to go away with the wind. We have tried so hard to be biblical with the Pocot people. We have tried so hard to demonstrate to them what it means to be in love with Jesus and what it means to take that love and to love them. I think that that's what we have to do, not only in other parts of the world, that's what we have to do right here in our own country. I think we have got to, as, as people who say we are Jesus followers, we have got to begin standing up. We have got to begin speaking out in love. And we have got to begin demonstrating, not talking. Greg made a comment when he the first service about put your money and your, your, your activities where your mouth is. And I think that's a challenge for every single one of us. So we're going back to Pocot, and we're going to put Jesus and the love for Jesus and the love for the Pocot people, first and foremost. And I ask you to pray. We have journey mercies. I ask you to pray that we have good health while we're there and that we can come back strong and continuing to serve the Lord. Thank you for everything that you do for us, and God bless you. Let's bow for a word of prayer. God, thank you for Barb. Thank you for Josh and Rich and Lewis who will travel with her. Thank you most of all for um, the reason that they're heading back, the, the difference that they make in your name. And we just pray a blessing over this entire difference-making ministry. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Barb, thank you. And please be sure when service is over to uh, make sure that you visit the, uh, the Cope booth and get some jewelry, make a difference. In the name of the Lord, we continue um, a sermon series that's been going on. I think this is Sermon 6. We started week one with a message on our mission. We exist to love God and build the church and reach the world. And we've started preaching through what our core values are. And we started with word. We're a people of the book. Our authority comes from God's word. And this year especially, we want you to be in the word. That's why every week when you come to church, you get a weekly Bible reading plan. We want everybody together to read the same chapter. Today it's Acts chapter 26. Be in the Word together. That's why we started a Bible memory class that meets on Mondays at 1130. We had 12 last week, the most we've ever had. I want to fill that community room at the YMCA. We memorized typically two verses together. Then Samuel brought us a message on worship and how it's all about Jesus. It's really not about you. It's really not about me. 
It's all about Jesus. Two weeks ago, we talked about prayer, and we issued the challenge to, to pray for five different areas in your life. Pray for forgiveness. Maybe you need to forgive someone. You need to seek forgiveness from someone. Pray for an area of your life that Jesus isn't really in charge. Pray for a kingdom partner like Cope a kingdom partner like Little Galilee, a kingdom partner like the Kooky Christian Church Mission in India, where I'll be three weeks from today. We ask everyone to pray for one leader, one elder. We have nine elders. They're awesome men of God. They need your prayers. And then most importantly, and we'll, we'll hit on that later today, we ask everybody to pray for someone that needs Jesus. Last week, the, the message was growth, and I preached kind of a short message, and then we asked you to take a survey, and a whole bunch of you did. Over 400 surveys came in, but I know a lot of you weren't here last week. We have surveys available at the Welcome Center. Please take one. Please fill it out. I will also be including an online survey option in my blog yes, uh, tomorrow. We're going to get it linked on the website as well. So if you're not a fill-in-the-blank type of person, check out the online survey. Today we're talking about hope and the idea that there is hope for everyone in Jesus. There's hope for your coworker who's just kind of oblivious to, to the whole faith world. Just, just not digging it whatsoever. There's hope for him. There's hope for her. There, there's hope for maybe your neighbor that not only are they not into Jesus, they think that you're an idiot because you are. And, and they really can get the best of you at times. It really makes your blood boil sometimes. There's hope for, for that person as well. There's hope for the person that just can't intellectually grab a hold of the idea that there is a God. There's hope for him. There's hope for everyone in Jesus. So as I have every week in this series, three parts, none of them are going to be very long today. We're going to look at God's Word. What's God's Word say about this? What about our world? And then finally, our witness. What do we do with this idea of hope? So let's dive in. I want to take you back to Luke chapter 19, and some of you will remember this from your junior church days. It's the story of a wee little man named Zacchaeus. Now, the thing about Zacchaeus that we don't remember a lot of time is he was a wee little man, but he was a really, really rich wee little man. He was the chief tax collector, and he had everything the world said you needed to be happy. But he knew he was missing something. So he went to see this guy named Jesus, this teacher that's proclaiming hope. And because he was short, he decided he was going to climb up a sycamore tree. And Jesus turns around and sees this really short, really, really rich guy climbing a tree. And he says, get on down, Zacchaeus. I'm going to your house today. But here's the point of that story that I want you to understand. It's the summary that Jesus gives for this whole thing. And, and a lot of commentators believe it's the single most important verse in the entire book of Luke. It's verse 10. Jesus says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so those people that I talked about earlier, your co-worker, your neighbor, maybe someone that you go to school with, Jesus came for him. Jesus came for her to seek and save the lost. I want to give you three very tangible reasons that I believe there is hope for everyone this morning. And reason number one is this, forgiveness is available to everyone. Forgiveness is available to all, no matter what you have done. Forgiveness is available to all. Paul wrote a book um, 
It's called Colossians. It's to a church in a city named Colossae. And in it, he gives a beautiful, beautiful picture of forgiveness. But here's the thing. Going back to that coworker, that neighbor, that person that you go to school with, maybe one of the reasons that they struggle so much to grab a hold of this idea that they can have hope is because they've got baggage in their past, maybe their, their recent past. And they're saying, but God could never forgive me. God could never allow me. You don't know what I have done. And here's what Paul writes to the Colossians. He says, when you were dead, in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. God forgave us all our sins, not some of our sins, not most of our sins, all of our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that, stood, that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, I love this, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He said they thought they were winning on Good Friday when the crucifixion took place. Jesus was actually making a spectacle of them because through that crucifixion, through that death on the cross, forgiveness of sins was available for all. And I want to talk to you for just a moment. You, you the Christian, you the follower of Jesus, you don't disagree with anything that I, that I just said, that forgiveness is available to all, but you're still holding on to some baggage in your life. You're still saying, I can't believe I did that, that 10 years ago or last year or last month or last week. I want you to write down a verse, Romans 8, 1. Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. God's forgiven you. You need to live as one who is forgiven. You need to embrace forgiveness. Let the past go. If anyone's in Christ, Paul says, they're new. They're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Number two, it's on the screen already. Hope is available to all, no matter who you are. Hope is available to all, no matter who you are. Um, I want to be crystal clear on this. Heaven is not going to be made up of just people that look like you and me. If you think heaven's going to just be a bunch of central Illinois white people, you are mistaken. Book of Revelation says every tribe every tongue, every nation. And so if you have any kind of prejudice within you whatsoever, and maybe that's starting to affect you relationally, uh, you got to let it go. Look, look at what Galatians chapter 3, Paul, Paul wrote a book to a, a group of churches in the province of Galatia, and here's what he said. He said, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And then I love this. Let's put that next scripture up on the screen, please. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There's not male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I think if Paul was writing today to us, he might say, there's not white, there's not black, there's not brown. 
He might say there's not east side, there's not west side. He might say there's not Democrat, there's not Republican. All the stuff that the world kind of uses to divide, he says if you're in Christ, forget about it. And, and so in our relationships, in the way we engage others, we can't have this prejudice. We can't have this divided heart. Hope is available to all. Number three, grace is available to all, no matter how much you work. No matter how much you work. Hear me loud and clear. You should serve the Lord. And a whole bunch of you don't serve right now, and you need to. Okay? Cody's going to preach in three weeks when, I'm, when I am in India. And he's going to talk about why service is a core value. Serving in the name of the Lord is a core value. We serve because we love Jesus, not because we're earning points so we can go to heaven. Here's what the book of Ephesians, Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and here's what he says about this idea. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. Forgiveness is available to all. Hope is available to all. Grace is available to all. That's about as simplistic and clear understanding of hope that you can get. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you're from, hope is available for you. So what about our world? What, what do we do with this hope? This is part two, and, and four things I want to give you quickly, and this may kind of rub some of you the wrong way, that's okay to go to church and kind of be rubbed the wrong way. Allow yourself to really say, you know, is there a reason I'm being defensive? Do I need to hear something along the lines? Here's what we need to do with hope. Number one is this, our lives must reflect the joy and love of Jesus. It has to happen. Grumpy Christianity cannot happen anymore. Mean Christianity cannot happen anymore. Some of you are going to go to a restaurant today and your waiter or waitress is going to be having a really bad day, and your coffee's not going to get refilled quick enough, and your scrambled eggs may be cold, and you're not going to be happy, and it shouldn't be like that, and you need to reflect the love and the joy of Jesus. Some of you have neighbors that man, they just stress you out. They wear you out. You need to reflect the love and joy of Jesus. Some of you work for people that are really difficult to work for. And you've been finding yourself praying to God, God, get me the heck out of there. I don't want to be there anymore. Maybe God has you there for a reason so you can reflect the love and the joy of Jesus. I'm tired of hearing stories of really mean Christians not representing the kingdom well. It's got to stop. Our lives have to be different. Number two, our hearts must break for people living outside the grace of God. T too many people only spend time with people of faith because people living outside the grace of God, they're a challenge. I'll be honest, it, it's tough sometimes to encounter people th that aren't living for God. We're called to have a heart for people that need 
Jesus. Number three, our minds must be willing to intellectually engage a curious and skeptical world. Um, I know a whole bunch of them are in this service, so I, I've thought about not even sharing this, but um, the millennial generation, they're leaving the church in record numbers. Crazy percentage, like 59% of millennials who grew up in the church, grew up going to Sunday school, grew up doing the space cubs and the whirly birds and all that stuff, they're out of here in their 20s. They're out of here in their 30s. And for a lot of them, it's because it doesn't make sense intellectually. And for me, that's a challenge. I, I'm a pre-modern. I've always kind of had the philosophy, the Bible said it, I believe it, that settles it. It's worked for me. It continues to work for me. I've never been awake at 3 o'clock in the morning wondering if there's God, wondering if Jesus was really who he claimed to be. But there's a bunch of people who are. There's a bunch of people who do. And so maybe God's calling you to stretch yourself. I've got a book. I've got 10 of these left. We bought them a year and a half ago when we went through the, the Room for Doubt, The Reason Why Faith Makes Sense. And I'd love to order 100 more of these because you all are so eager to try to engage people in your world that are intellectually skeptical about the faith. You read the book. They read the book. You talk about Mark Middleburg, incredible, incredible author. We must be willing to say, I'll go the extra mile. I'll step outside my comfort zone. I will engage intellectually. And then finally, number four, Barb made reference to this, we must be the hands and feet of Jesus. We have to be. It doesn't do any good to get all dressed up or even put on your jeans and come to church and feel really good about yourself and take a spiritual bow and a spiritual pat on the back and go out in the world and, and not try to impact our world. We have to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I'm not just talking a one-hour service project here or a one-hour gathering there. Helping hurting people. Being Jesus with skin. And I know that's not a theologically perfect statement to make, but the idea that I'll be the Jesus for him. I'll be the only Jesus for her. We must be the hands and feet of Jesus. So, how do we live this core value of hope in 2017, part three? What's our witness going to be? Well, I start with kind of a tough truth. And, you know, we could pretend it's not the case, but I think we really need to embrace. The, the statistics, they're, they're not encouraging. You know, that 59% thing that I threw out, I didn't make that up. Um, that, that's an article that came out a couple weeks ago. Bernie Rose, uh, husband of our office manager, Kim, sent it to me and you start reading statistics, it's pretty discouraging. I'm in a couple preacher gatherings a month, and you know I get together with them. A lot of churches are struggling. Talked to a good friend the other day. His, his church averaged 510 last year. They're averaging 430 this year. Um, the statistics themselves are not encouraging. So we have to understand that. We have to embrace that, and we can't accept it. We can't say... That, that's okay, it's just reality. We have to push back. And so here's the pushback. And this is really, as I wrap up this week, it's really kind of introducing next week. So if you're not with the Pocot team that's with us today, you have to come back to church next week to hear part two, to be engaged in part two, because I'm giving everybody an assignment today. 
And, and, and I don't want it to be one of those things, ah, Greg said I got to do this, I'm already praying, I'm already reading, I'm not ta-. I want you to take this as serious as anything that I've ever said. Three challenges for you to pray and engage three individuals, three different people in your life. My guess is all of us have these three different individuals in our life, Pro- probably more than one, so pick one. Number one, I want you to pray and engage someone who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. They've never said, hey, I want to be a follower of Jesus. They've never went through the believing and the repenting and the confessing and the being baptized and the living for Christ. They've never went down that road for whatever reason. And I want you to start praying today, but part of your prayer is, God, help me engage. God, give me opportunities to to invite God, give me opportunities to stretch myself. Now, that doesn't mean you have to invite them starting off to to Sunday morning service. We have some great activities, I think, that are out there that would be a great first level. I think the mom and tots thing, it'd be a great thing if she's a mom. Um, You know, if it's a guy, invite him to go to area men's. Invite him to go to reload. Invite him just to grab a cup of coffee. Someone who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Number two, I want everyone to pray, everyone to engage someone who has seemingly walked away from the church or walked away from the faith. My guess is there's someone that was sitting in one of these pews a decade ago, and for whatever reason, no judgment, but for whatever reason, they're not in any pew or any chair in any church today. And I'm not going theological, what do we do with that? I'm not even worried about that right now. But I'm saying, for whatever reason, something happened, and they walked away. And you probably know her, and you probably know him, and you probably missed them. Will you pray for them? Will you begin to engage them? Will you reach out? And then finally, number three, everyone pray, everyone engage someone who has seemingly lost their passion for Jesus. Maybe they're just simply kind of going through the motions. The book of Revelation talks about the church at Laodicea. And they were guilty of being lukewarm. They're just kind of doing things just to kind of do things. And so maybe there's someone in your world, they they need to light that fire again. They need someone to say, brother, sister, friend, pal, whatever it may be. I noticed that that your, your, your fervor for the Lord, it's not what it used to be. Don't use the word fervor. That's a preacher word. But your passion for the Lord is not what it used to be. Very rarely will someone really get upset and stomp off. Might get a little defensive. But when you couch it as I love you, I'm worried about you, I'm concerned for you, the vast majority of people, they'll listen. They'll listen. Bottom line, as we kind of conclude this message that's going to float into next week, is this: there's hope for everyone. Who are the everyones in your life that need Jesus? Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thanks for the chance to to consider another core value. God, help us to be a people who are never ashamed to be your ambassadors. Who are never ashamed to be proclaimers of hope. God, help us to do it with class and integrity, but help us to do it. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.